Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Looking at uh, opinion, your opinion, yesterday on our segment, Brad Wall, Premier Brad Wall, or Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, whom you favor and who you support in this whole issue of a national carbon tax, which the Prime Minister insists is going to be a reality across the country, while Premier Wall says, not so fast, we're not going to sign on and we'll sue you in court. And 100% support, literally 100% support, emails for Premier Wall. One hundred percent. And calls yesterday, if I recall correctly, also a hundred percent in favor of the premier. And we did not screen even one call. We took them as they came. Twitter, have a look at the Roy Green Show. Just have a look. You'll see for yourself. I'll share some of those emails with you a little later on in the show today. We'll also get some response or we'll respond to the segment on electricity prices in the province of Ontario, which are causing people great distress, poor people great distress. In some cases, electricity has been cut off for months, not because people didn't want to pay their bills, they couldn't pay their bills, because of the hydro rates, because how fast they went up. And so people who are economically challenged found themselves having to decide between paying the rent, as you know, we've talked about it, paying the rent, buying food, heating their homes, having electricity, and something has to give because they don't have the money. Hydro One has reconnected to 1,400 people from what we understand, and they don't cut off from December the 1st until the 1st of April. But smaller hydro companies, smaller electricity suppliers do cut off in the middle of winter. And having a warm home, having electricity, having light should be a human right in this country. So I'm going to get back at that issue in hour three today with you and your calls. I'll read you some emails and we'll go through some of the issues. Like while we're cutting off people who can't pay for their hydro, pay for their electricity, because they don't have the money... Free overnight electric vehicle charging is going to start in the province from the government. Four-year free overnight electric vehicle charging program for residential and multi-unit residential customers starting in 2017. Charging electric cars at night can help balance electricity system demands and potentially reduce costs associated with exporting excess electricity overnight, blah, 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 blah. Bottom line is, you get to charge your electric car free four years, but if you don't have the money to pay for your electricity for your home, you get cut off. Hell of a system. We have some salaries, too, that uh, we'll share with you a little later on, for people involved in the electricity business. 
But I want to start with a story that has horrified this country for a number of days now. And it's the road rage incident that took place in Calgary. And here's what uh, Jill Croto, reporter with Global News, wrote. A traumatized mother is bruised and nursing several stitches after a repulsive act of road rage. Quote, I'm glad I'm alive and here for my family, and they didn't lose me last night. End quote. Carolee Red Oldman, 28, and her 9-year-old daughter were on their way to pick up her husband and her sons from hockey practice. Red Oldman was driving a black Dodge Caravan when a BMW tried to pass her at about 5.20 p.m. on Wednesday. She said the BMW was tailgating her, honking, and trying to force her into oncoming traffic. The vehicle then rammed into the back of her minivan, and they ended up in the t- together in the parking lot of the arena. Quote, he started yelling at me to get out of the vehicle. He grabbed my hair and pulled my head out of the window. I couldn't get my arms out to fight back, and he started banging my neck and my face and my mouth on the window. My daughter was screaming and crying to stop, and he still wouldn't stop. End quote. Story goes on that a despicable act intensified when she reached for a hockey stick from her van to try to defend herself, but the offender wrestled it away and smashed the windows. According to the victim again, I grabbed the hockey stick and he was throwing me all over the place. I was really scared, but I knew I had to protect myself and my family and tried my best to fight him off until someone came to help me. Her husband heard the screams for help, ran to his wife. The suspect and his passenger got back into the car and sped off, but nearly ran Red Oldman over as she laid in the parking lot. I'm scared to go out of my house. I'm scared I can't protect my children, she says. Two suspects are described as in their early 20s, with dark brown or black hair and medium builds. Police said one was wearing a light gray-white shirt. BMW described as a silver two-door with Alberta license plates, likely with extensive damage to the front passenger side and front bumper. What the hell is wrong with people, some people? We've probably all been engaged in, in some level of road irritation or road anger or even road rage because it's our road. Nobody else is allowed to use it. But, you know, you exchange half a peace sign with someone else and you can see their mouths sort of moving because they're shouting at you and then it's generally over. But this is just insane. Dr. Frank Farley is the past president of the American Psychological Association. He's a professor of psychology at Temple University, and he's the People's Professor on uh, Psychology Today blog. Frank, what is this about? What, what, what state of mind does somebody have to be in to, to do this? Well, Roy, let me go through a possible road rage recipe, because in psychology we find that no human behavior is due to just one thing. It's nearly always a recipe. And so you can take a look at the ingredients and see if they add up to what happened here. But one of the first things to keep in mind is that, you know, the the automobile in the 20th and 21st century is our castle. It's, you know, it's our space. And um, uh, North Americans have the highest per capita ownership of automobiles in the entire world. So our automobiles are very important. We're always moving around and going places. But let's take a look at a possible road rage recipe and apply it to this case. 
for one thing, uh, most of the perpetrators in these cases are young. The average age is in the early 30s. These two guys were in, allegedly, it's an estimate, the early 20s. So they fit that part of the recipe. Um, they're usually males. In fact, the, the best estimates on, on this are about 95% of perpetrators of road rage are men. Uh, we know from lots of research that males tend to be more physically aggressive than females. Uh, so young, male, there's two ingredients. The third ingredient that struck me here was rush hour traffic. It was around about 5.30, as I recall. And so rush hour traffic can have its own uh, annoyances, its own frustrations. And one of the oldest theories of aggression that we have is called the frustration-aggression theory. That is, frustration builds up and we lash out. We become aggressive. So let's put that in as, as the third recipe. Uh, and, you know, they must have been really angry, though, given that they damaged a luxury car, apparently. <laughs> So they're either super rich or, or really angry. Another possible ingredient here that I would speculate would be maybe some drinking. Uh, had they been drinking? I would like to know that. My prediction is they probably had been. A uh, fifth ingredient would be the presence of another person in the perpetrator's car. We find that people will tend to be more, take more risks um, and, and more aggressive driving if there's someone else in the car with them. Uh, it sort of potentiates the, the aggression, if you will. And then uh, a sixth set of qualities would be the personal factors. For example, one that strikes me is, were they racist? Uh, I don't know if Carolee Red Oldman is a First Nations person, but perhaps she is, and perhaps they're racist along those lines. Another personal quality would be what we might call intermittent explosive disorder. And that's a standard uh, diagnostic label uh, that really would fit this behavior, intermittent explosive disorder. Uh, sort of related to that is, is the idea of impulse control. The prisons are full of people with low impulse control. And I would say that these two perpetrators clearly had low impulse control. So while most of us who get angry at another person in a vehicle, because it is our road, and, uh, and we, we do, as I said, we, we exchange half a peace sign and we mouth unpleasantries at each other, it ends there yeah. most of the time. Yes. But somebody with low impulse control and has those factors that you explained earlier, takes it way beyond that level and then commits the act that, that that was committed. Now, what about this this person uh, who did this, Frank? Any sense of remorse in this individual now, several days later, or do they not give a damn? Well, of course, I don't know. I'm speculating. What's, what's your guess? You know, entirely. Um, I, I would hope that they had some remorse. It might be as limited as they're looking at their the front end of their BMW. So remorse for themselves. Yeah. But again, I'm speculating, but, you know, anybody who's got a Beamer and they're a very expensive car and mm -hmm. you just, by your own behavior, have damaged it, and you're going to have to explain that to your insurance agent or pay for it yourself directly, there's got to be some remorse in it. Well, that. the police are involved, so 
You know, we're not looking oh, at a situation. Yeah, yeah, we're not looking at a situation here where it's just a case of reporting it to your insurance company and getting it fixed. I mean, the insurance companies will be looking for this car. Frank, hold on a second, please. We'll come back. I'm going to ask you some some additional questions about what what's the long what's the long term effect on the victim because we've talked about road rage incidents in the past as, as every talk show in North America has talked about road rage from time to time, and what I've heard is people who've called and they've said, they've talked about an incident that may have happened 5, 10, 15 years earlier, perhaps even longer. And the impact on that particular incident stays with people for a very, very long period of time. There's a degree of intimidation that follows the original act, and it frightens people. Some people have actually not driven again from what they told us because of road rage. We'll come back in a minute. Stay with us. Taking on the Titans, standing up for the little guy. It's the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I'm on Twitter at the Roy Green Show and emails to Roy at RoyGreenshow.com. Have you been involved in a road rage incident that has stayed with you, that you will never forget. Are you somebody who started a road rage incident? As I remember, I will never forget the story. A woman called years ago, and she said that she was at an intersection on the way to work. She was turning left in a left-turn lane. The light turned green. The arrow went on for her, the green arrow, to turn left. So she moved her vehicle. Another car ran the red, crossing the intersection toward her, and stopped in front of her. And two individuals got out of that car. They walked over to her car. One of them jumped on the hood, started kicking at the windshield. The other one was trying to break in the side windows, and she was terrified, honking her horn. And it was rush hour in the morning, and all sorts of people driving in all directions. Not one person driving around these cars. Not one person Not one person stopped to help her. She was eventually able to move her car around them and get going and get away from them. But not one person, not one person stopped to try to help. Dr. Frank Farley, psychologist, past president of the American Psychological Association, uh, professor at Temple University in Philadelphia, is with us. Frank, the aspect of people not reaching out to provide any assistance, is that the bystander effect? Yes, it is, and we see a lot of it, Roy. It, uh, one of the underlying themes in the bystander effect is what we call diffusion of responsibility. In other words, somebody else will take care of this situation. Yeah. And so people just stand around and don't do anything on the assumption that somebody else will step forward. And, and here's an interesting thing. You will get better bystander behavior typically when there are fewer people present. You know, if there's only one person or two, you're more likely that a bystander will intervene and help than if there's a whole lot of people. And, uh, you know, we need active bystander, you know, almost training in our schools. Yeah. To well, get, I, you know, know, look at bullying, for example. Yeah. You know, bullying can be stopped, generally speaking, quite quickly if just one person intervenes. Right, right. Well, tell, tell me what you think the potential 
for long-term emotional turmoil is going to be for this victim. She was physically, savagely assaulted. Yes, she was. And uh, I would expect, again, I don't know her and and so on, but I would expect that uh, this will have quite a long history for her. You know, uh, whether she will end up suffering post-traumatic stress disorder, I don't know. But PTSD often arises from such, you know, situations. Now, how could it not? Yes. How could I, it not? I, yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, the thing about PTSD is kind of tied in with your memories. And, and uncertainty is, is a huge source of human fear. And she yeah. may have uncertainty going forward that this will happen again. She'll be driving in, in crowded you know, rush hour traffic, perhaps, right. and something terrible will happen again. Well, my, my, my sense as well, Frank, is it's going to have an impact on people who weren't even there, people who are thousands of miles distant from Calgary, who are hearing the story and may already be nervous or intimidated by others on the road. They hear this, and it may affect them. It could. Yep. We all, not all of us, but we, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we almost live in our cars. Right. And they're an essential ingredient in, in the lives of most of us. And we hear of these kind of incidents, and of course it's going to raise our anxiety. In her case, you know, she may re-experience it if something happens, not directly to her, but she's in traffic and, yeah. gosh, some kind of an incident happens. She may re-experience what had happened to her. Yeah. Frank, I do appreciate your time always. Now we're going to take some calls and see what we hear from our from our callers about their experiences. But thank you so much. You're welcome. Always good talking to you. Dr. Frank Farley, psychologist, Temple University, past president of the American Psychological Association. He's one of us. He's Canadian. Actually, I think he's from Alberta. All right, my number is 1-800-263-2428. Have you experienced... Road rage. Have you been on the receiving end? I think about this incident. I'm not suggesting that you may have experienced something similar to this. Some people may have. But have you been on the receiving end of somebody else's anger, somebody else's rage on the road? What happened? And how much of an impact has it had on you and does it continue to have on you? What happened? 1-800-263-2428. Anybody listening to this program right now who's initiated a road rage incident? Why? And what happened? 1-800-263-2428 is my number. This is really, frankly, it's a terrifying situation. 28-year-old mother, young daughter, and she goes through this. Your road rage experiences, what happened, the impact it's had on you, continue, you know, continuing. And if you're a road rager yourself, why? We'll come back and we'll talk. 1-800-263-2428.